0: Hello you beautiful cycling fans, it's the A1 Show. I've got a very special podcast today. This is the first time since the A1 Show went podcast that we've brought on a show guest. So I'm super excited about today's show guest. I'm going to keep you in a little bit of suspense uh, as I explain a little bit about this man. Uh, I wanted to get an insight into the world tour. Uh, I also had on the tip of my mind a a question that I started which I wanted to get answered and it was uh, posed by a picture I posted on social media uh, about a month ago during the Vuelta and it was a bad crash the one the Katusha guys had where his knee looked like it was stitched up by a butcher and so I wanted to get an insight into that and I've been talking to this guy uh, on and off on Instagram about that and so today's show guest it is Scott Murphy he is the physio from Mitchelton Scott. Uh, world tour team he's done a bunch of grand tours I introduced him in a little bit so I'm gonna let you guys enjoy this podcast it's a great insight into life in the world tour where we cover everything from training tricks and hacks to funny stories on the world tour it's a great insight and he's also living in Ireland haven't fallen from an, for an Irish girl happened to many a good man uh, so before we get started I want to tell you about two things firstly uh something I've been talking about quite a bit uh, recently in private and I wanted to start bringing it out to you guys when I got started on the on my journey in cycling you know I made a lot of mistakes I went down a lot of dark alleys and I made you know 12 months of trial and error so there was a I had my eureka aha moment I used to train with a buddy of mine and i Came to know him before I was a training partner. He was a world tour rider, riding for Sky at the time, and like he, I basically teased out, of course, of conversations where he's like, you know, there's a system to this, and every train and every world tour guy has follows this same system. There's a pattern, you know. Success leaves clues, and. You know, all the World Tour guys just hacked this system and they looked at what the World Tour guys before them done and as a consequence nearly all of them were following a very similar system so I wanted to talk about I'm going to drip feed it in over the course of our podcast in the coming months and sort of slowly unveil what this system is but one of the key parts of it that underpins the whole system it's strength and conditioning he explained to me that it didn't have to be a crazy strength and conditioning plan but you had to do the right things and he explained this to me like a chassis on a car he said even the most powerful supercar in the world the most powerful engine if it has a weak chassis it's not going to perform so before we can get any training to take effect before you know we get into threshold sessions sweet spot sessions micro bursts all this stuff that we're going to talk to you about how to build sessions you have to fix that chassis. The chassis has to be firing on all cylinders. That's otherwise we start getting injuries. We start having poor power transfer. Like if you go into a training plan without addressing this stuff, you're just, you're setting yourself up for failure from the start. So I wanted to give everyone access to this. uh, But I also didn't want to give it away for free because I knew if I gave it away for free, that you guys wouldn't value it. You know, I had a football manager back in the day and uh, he, made a videotape of a bunch of my games but then he made me pay him for it because as the story goes he said you know if i give this to you for free you won't value it and you'll never watch it and you'll never learn from it so he made me pay for it even though i had very little money at the time i paid for it and a small amount but i paid for it and i valued it and i learned from it so that's exactly what i'm doing to you guys so i'm going to put the link in the show notes for the strength condition it's a small token price for the strength condition plan it's less than the price of one pt session go get that check it out because that's what we're going to build upon in the coming weeks and months as we get into especially the off season now because it's an important time of year so that's the first thing i wanted to drop in before i got started with our Show guest, And the second thing I wanted to drop in is a big thank you to our sponsor, ClickFunnels. Uh, ClickFunnels are with us for the next couple of months anyway, and then we'll see how it's performing, and hopefully they'll be on longer. But ClickFunnels is an amazing piece of software for any entrepreneurs out there. If you have a company, you know, under... 100 people, and you're not using click funnels, you're just leaving money on the table. It's phenomenal for a streamlining sales processes, marketing funnels like websites are dead. If you have a website and you're running the website without sales funnels. Um, you're just at a loss you're leaving money on the table every single day check out clickfunnels because it's gonna solve all that sales pipeline problem for your email autoresponder all hooked into one phenomenal phenomenal piece of software check it out and the good people at clickfunnels their show listeners and they're big supporters of ours uh, biohackers over there so thank you for that guys and as a thank you for our listeners they've given you a 14 day free trial to check it out and play around and get hooked on it like I did so check that out the link Link is also in the show notes okay guys i'm not going to push this off any longer you beautiful cycling fans here we go the first a1 show guest take it away scott hey guys so we're very lucky to be joined today by scott Murphy. he's an irish resident but australian who's the physio for mitchelton scott so welcome to the show scott Thank you very much. Great to be here. I already confused myself with saying your name and Mitchelton Scott in the same sentence. It just got confusing you, for me.
1: You want to walk around with your name plastered over every piece of clothing you wear.
0: <laughs> At least you can
1: lay claim to
0: all the cool kit. Oh,
1: yeah, I wish. It just makes it look like you're an egomaniac. <laughs> uh,
0: Scott, I want to talk to you... Like I'm not sure how often you've listened to the podcast, but I jump around quite a bit, so I always hate it in autobiographies when it starts off with, you know, my gr- yeah. I grew up in blah yeah. blah blah blah. It's it's just it's too boring for me. So I want to start and something that I know you contacted me about, and it's initially how the conversation started. It was one of the Katusha riders in the Vuelta. Uh, I actually forgot who it was. Was it Willie?
1: Yeah, uh, South African road champion.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, And he bust himself up his knee pretty badly. And I posted a picture of it up on our social media. And the kind of question I had gone with it was, it was an open question. I didn't really give my opinion on it, but I suppose we can get into this now. Like, does a team have a duty of care towards a younger rider to protect themselves from themselves?
1: Yeah, they do. Um, And I suppose... The team does and the medical t- medical uh, group that works within the team. Um, and you, it is a case of protecting the rider from themselves. When you look at like any rider's first instinct when they come off their bike is to get back on their bike. Um, and you look at the first person to greet them after they have been, it's a mechanic holding another bike. So it is gra- ingrained into a cyclist too. You crash, you get back up on the bike. And if you can pedal, you do pedal. Um, yeah. And is that
0: uh, you know even that the mechanic being the first person to greet them? I know this culture is slightly changed. I think was it the uh, Cannondale rider a couple of years ago in the Tour yeah. in California that was yeah. like that was shocking to see. And I think, it was terrible. Yeah, I think that opened all our eyes a lot to you know we need to change that man's
1: man culture. Yep, and it's like concussion is massive across all of sports medicine now. Um, rugby's. Very much got on top of it. My background at home would be rugby league, and there's sort of they've started the process looking at uh, the same problems that guys had in the NFL, in the NRL now. So, concussion within sport is a massive thing. The difficulty with concussion at the moment is that there's no definitive test for it. If you suspect someone is concussed, then they're concussed, and it's really, really hard because you see a guy crash a bike it's a big force that that goes through a body or through a bike. And you'll see some guys will bin it and absolutely horrib- look horrible and get back up and ride away, whereas other guys will have a fairly innocuous crash and end up with busted everything. So it is a, it's a very, very difficult area to work with so
0: what do you guys do do you do i know i used to live in toronto i used to race for a team over there for a while and ice hockey's huge over there mm-hmm. and they're very much trying their best they had Sidney crosby a few years ago i'm not sure if you follow ice hockey but yeah. yeah he's like the george best of hockey at the moment and yeah he was out for like an undefined period banned by the league because he had concussion symptoms yeah they were looking at it like a deviation from his baseline testing do you guys do anything yeah. like that
1: uh, yeah, the, the guys would be um, SCAT tested or COGSport tested at the start of the year, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I, my, I suppose the difficulty with my role is I do uh, race days. I don't do uh, training camps. So we've, we've got other medics that will deal with the guys on training camps. And if there's anything pre-season, that's where that's done. Um, I have a very limited role in terms of concussion with the guys purely because if they're concussed, they're out of a race. Yeah. So I will have little to do with them. And the doctor tends to take the, the lead there. And if the boys out of the race, then they're off home. So they're gone in that regard. Cool. So what sort
0: of, what's the biggest races you've done working with the team? Have you worked on Grand Tours yet? Yeah, I've,
1: what have I done? Three three Tour de France's, four, four or five Giro's and a couple of Welters. It's a big, big Palmyra, is there? Yeah, it's, it's far easier doing them in the bus than it is on a bike, though.
0: <laughs> so what's a daily schedule look like on a Grand Tour?
1: Uh, up reasonably early Um, I don't work anywhere near as hard as the Swannies do they are the the backbone to the team but like a lot of the the directors like we're we're looking after riders and you you help the the staff out when you can so a lot of the directors would be fairly keen runners so I don't mind going out for a run in the morning so particularly if you've got very stressed directors that are a bit wound up you'll get out for a bit of a, a jog in the morning maybe do a boxing session something like that just to to help them decompress a bit before the day ahead. From there, yeah, well, the the riders will get up later than what we would. So you'll go and see the riders, see that they're all okay. If there's anyone needs treatment, treat them. Um, then, if there's no more my work to be done, I will jump in and help the swanies out however I can.
0: And uh, a couple of years ago, you guys ran. If anyone hasn't seen it, it's brilliant to go back and watch a
1: backstage pass. Yep, like that was
0: brilliant. How come that came to an
1: end? We well, we still do run videos with. Uh, for all the grandies, it's our videographer, Dan Jones, decided, well, has had two kids since and actually had to be a grown-up now. So he's back in Australia and Victoria, so he's got a real job and doing stuff there. We've got a new videographer, videographer, Sam, who comes in for grandies and is still doing videos. They're they're really, really good. Um, they're just a slightly different take on, on what Dan had. Um, Dan was very, very good, but he was, it was sort of – it was fly by the seat of your pants stuff because no one else was doing it. No one really knew what they were doing. So it was raw, but it was really, really good as a result.
0: Yeah, you had that ACDC all night long yeah. parody, which was, yeah. that must have like, been a sponsor's stream, It went viral.
1: Yeah, the, the, unfortunate, the, the biggest challenge for Dan in those reg- in those days was people that play music like to get paid for it. So if you tend to stick someone else's music on and they either ask for a whole bunch of money or YouTube rips it off. So there was... A few little loopholes you have to jump through to, to get stuff up on the web. I guess that's a nice segue
0: into. Uh, there's a not so much at your level at World Tour, but it's it's probably going to feed that way. There's a big sponsorship crisis. You know, we have seen a lot of teams close to home here. Uh, <coughs> yep. w- Wiggins wrapping up, Madison Genesis wrapping up. Yeah, uh, the future looks uncertain for uh, Canyon DHB Bloor Homes. So. Yep. Do you think there's anything we can do with the model at the moment? It seems almost like philanthropy for a company to come into cycling. Just the return on investment looks difficult to get at the moment. Yeah,
1: it's and like I suppose the great misconception is in the world tour that it's we've got money getting chucked out of left, right and centre. We don't. Um, we have two sponsors on our jersey, well, two main sponsors, Mitchelton and Scotton. Mitchelton's a winery that's... Owned by our team owner, so Jerry Ryan pretty much Scott helps us out, obviously, but Jerry Ryan's pretty much the the money behind things. He um, and it is it's in terms of return. There's not a lot coming back his way in when it when you look at what it costs to but run like, a team.
0: Isn't that the problem? Like right there, you've put your finger on it. Like I watched every single day out of welter on a daily welter podcast probably haven't missed a World Tour race this season, highlights-wise. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that Mitchelton was a wine company.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a wine company that, like, you're not going to be able to walk into your local spa and pick up a bottle of Mitchelton wine. Um, it'd be very popular in Scotland. It's very, very... Uh, it's in Australia, it's a very, very good wine. But, yeah, it's it's not your standard stuff that you walk in to your local stuff in Ireland or in, in Europe, for that matter. Yeah. yeah it, it's... It's awkward, and like, there's there's your top 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 teams, your your Enioses, and those guys that do have good coin put behind them. But again, it when you talk about return for the for that sponsorship, it's it's not massive. I suppose with the European teams, the tradition has been that it's it's television advertising for them, um, and it does make some sense. Whereas if you're an international team, if you're advertising in France, for example, if you don't have a market in France, then it's it is philanthropy, basically. Yeah, I've
0: seen you guys have been trying to push the envelope a bit. Didn't you have something at the Web Summit last year? You guys had a bus out there, and it's something I haven't seen other teams do.
1: Possibly, I don't know. Yeah, I to t- be honest,
0: I, I think the Yates brothers were out. Uh, yeah, Lisbon like, at the Web Summit.
1: Yeah, we did. Like, w- like we have. Staff that are in charge of of social media and and team profile and that sort of stuff, and it it is pushed very very hard, and, and teams are trying to be as innovative as they possibly can. Um, but yeah, it is it's it's something that I was surprised at when I first got into to working with cycling, was I kind of assumed it to be like Premiership football, where it's money all over the place, and <laughs> it's not it's not the case. It it has that facade of it, and it's we do cut our cloth accordingly, and we like. You got to. If you want the best riders in the world, you do have to pay them good money. But then, after that, it's it is a bit. There is a bit of money ball with some stuff as well.
0: Uh, yeah, like we had Aqua Blue here in Ireland. Mm-hmm. That you know they obviously they won their to stage with Denifel. I think that's got taken yep. off them since. Yep. Den, Denifel actually looks like he could be going to jail if you're to believe some of the headlines for fraud yeah, at the moment. Quite a while, yeah. Which seems a a bit crazy. I don't know. My my background is law, and I just think that you know as re- regrettable as doping is the punishment has to be proportionate if you're talking about sending someone to jail for 10 years for doping like yeah where do you where do you go with that how do you escalate that punishment it-
1: i i will defer to your your legal expertise i know I arms and legs um legalities and stuff it's it is tough um and when you look at so i suppose in terms of prison sentences and stuff like that and, and what people do do and get far more lenient uh, prison sentences and actually hurt people. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem fair. Uh,
0: staying on the Aqua Blue one, how, how are Aqua Blue... I know they're a the short spell inside, you know, from outside looking in. It's difficult to know how they were viewed within the penalty zone. Uh Was there good feelings I, towards some or to them?
1: Yeah, I think... it's. It, I think anywhere where a new team comes in, it's always greeted positively because at the end of the day, the more teams there are, the bigger the sport is, the better it is for everyone. Versus like if you you want to play it, sort of whoever's got the most money, you will end up with the English Premiership where four teams can win. Yeah. So, yeah, they were de- it was definitely seen as – and I suppose we had a slightly – I suppose a little bit of an insight into things because – Caleb Ewan was riding for us at the time and Rick is Caleb's uh, father-in-law. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you, we'd have a little chat about stuff. But them winning, them getting a start in the Vuelta was absolutely awesome. And for them to get a stage was was unbelievable. And it's kind of your dream start for a team. And, yeah, it's 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 a sad thing to hear that, they, that the team didn't work out after such a good start.
0: Yeah, it's nearly back to what we were talking about at the start. It seemed like Rick... You know, I actually rode for Rick's amateur team in Ireland. Uh, I'm still riding for the new incarnation of that, but uh, Rick was great for us. He pumped money into our amateur team, but it seems like when he got up to that level, it was just him pumping money in and he couldn't figure out how to get the money coming back out the
1: far end. And at the end of it, like he is a businessman and unless you've got this unending cash stream coming in the door, there is a point where you do have to put your hand up and go, enough. Um, and he did. He did have a good idea with trying to self fund the team, but it's it's just really hard.
0: Uh, where do you stand on the safety? I know it's been a it's been debated probably for the last decade, even since David Miller was kind of uh, at the forefront of rider rights and things mm-hmm. like that, where they're talking about that balancing of crowd entertainments versus the safety of riders in races. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a stance on that?
1: I, I suppose the 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 thing that that's, that again, like my background is is rugby league and rowing. So if we're rowing, there's no real problems with the crowd because they're on the bank. But like the thing that has always spun me out is how little contact riders have with crowds. When you look at you look at a Tour de France of three and a half thousand ks of open road for the crowd to literally stand in the gutter for the amount of contact that people will have with the crowd is fairly small when you look at it versus things like course setup or the problem a lot of problems we've had in the last couple of years is with motorbikes and things like that um that that's something that's a bit more controllable as well than the crowd if that makes sense. Like, you can't put crowd control barriers up for a 220k stage. It's just not doable.
0: Yeah, it's nearly more on, like, the summit finishes, but it's it's trying to find that balance of at what point does it take away – like, how much is the crowd a part of the West yeah.
1: in a legendary finish? Exactly. Like, it's – there's – again, I keep going back to football, but you could never sit there and, like, you can't stand outside a bus with Barcelona rocking up to play against Dundalk United – and have a chat to Lionel Messi walking in the, the gate. Whereas if you're in a the Tour de France, we might have a tape up that keeps you from standing in the bus. But the riders come out, you can have a chat to them, you can ask them for their autograph. Like that's, that's I think, something that's very, very special within cycling. Um, and,
0: and I have to say, like, I've watched it and I've, you know, even been in races uh, over in the States and stuff where you've had decent crowds on hills, obviously never to the Tour de France yeah. level. But, you know, on the opposite side of the fence... Now I was over at the Tour de France last year at Alpe d'Huez. You just get sucked into mob mentality, like, oh, geez, yeah. and, and few beers. The crowds are yep. there. The Dutch corner. It's like, yep. this is fucking amazing. Like,
1: and it's also like again, you look at Alpe d'Huez. I was there 2004, so it was when they had the time trial up the Alpe d'Huez, and there was supposedly a million people on the hill that day, which is a fairly substantially it's big group of humanity, <laughs> yeah. and. Like the 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 place was chockers. We were up there two days before and a whole lot, and it's amazing fun. And at the same time, there there's also that I suppose it's a bit different with the continental European guys. The vast majority of them are f- very respectful of riders. You do get a and it is a small proportion when you look at the size of the crowds that are getting in the way. When you or, take
0: when you take something like Superman Lopez this year, was that the Giro where you hit your man a few boxes?
1: Yeah, which you'd never condone it but you can understand it sometimes um and it's there's a lot of it is excitement a bit of booze and wow there's someone doing something absolutely spectacular there's very few cases of people actually deliberately getting in people's way or causing hassle it is a lot of that just over enthusiasm and also a little bit of not understanding what's going on like people don't understand how quick bikes travel
0: yeah I think Vinokurov was close to condoning it. He just looked like he didn't give a bollocks.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's that, that you know.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, tell me, this, is there any crack in the team? Is it a good team to be involved in?
1: Yeah, it's great fun. Like it's my wife lovingly reminds me that I'm going on holidays for whatever it is thirty days a year they go over the team. That's <laughs> that's her perception of stuff because it, it it is. It's good fun. It's we we work very hard but people are doing it with a smile on their face it's it is a like we don't struggle to get staff we don't struggle to get riders we don't turn over a lot of staff which i think is also a really good sign of the fact that it's a happy team
0: well you also have some of the best riders in the world which you are lucky to work with like the yates brothers chavez who you know is fast becoming kind of a cult hero in cycling because he's always smiling yeah and then you have the irish guy that no one knows about
1: the Irish guy, Chris. Chris Ewell Jensen. Yep. And he's, yeah, he's a legend of a guy. He's an absolute machine of a bike rider.
0: So here's a funny Chris story. I'm not sure if you've heard this one. Uh, There's a teammate of mine in Ireland, actually from Limerick. Uh, Mark O'Callaghan is his name. Mm-hmm. And Mark was a student uh, two years ago. And he was, I think he was staying at my house the night before, but he busted the the boa on his shoe and so he was racing with his shoes doesn't have, he's a student he didn't have a second set of shoes so he wrapped a lot of duct tape around his shoe and he ended up winning the race and sticky bottle our local cycling website ran an article about you know student cyclist wins race with duct tape all over his shoes but chris e. o. jensen seeing this article uh, obviously asked around because he'd be well connected in our cycling circles, found out where Mark lived and he sent them over a brand new set of shoes, sent them over, you know, Orica bottles, mitts, a load of stuff, but n- made no fuss of it.
1: Yeah, that that may have been facilitated by someone you're speaking to. <laughs> Didn't I, actually that, or... I actually know Mark. I actually
0: know Mark. He's a great I man. Yeah. Mark needs a podcast.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he's a special dude. Oh, thanks. No idea. So, have you, you run the private practice in Limerick as well? Yeah, I got my own practice in Motion Physio in Bali Simon. So,
0: give us a plug there. How can people check that out? Because it's not often you get a chance to work on a world tour of physio.
1: Uh, I have a website, InMotionPhysiotherapy.ie. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, you can ring me. I, I'll take anyone. I don't just use, I just. I don't work just with athletes either. I, the bread and butter is twisted ankles, sore backs, sore necks, that sort of stuff. But yeah, I'd like to think I know a little bit about bike riding. So, Amazing. if there's anyone that's got stuff up with us, give us a shout.
0: Amazing! Uh, it's not often you get a chance to work with world tour physios. Uh, two questions, and I'm gonna let you go, Scott. Uh, one, give us a prediction for the world's road race the weekend.
1: Ooh, do I go with my heart or do I go with my head? <laughs> give us both. Uh, I'd say the fellow that's won it about eight thousand times up till now is probably a pretty good shout in Peter Sagan. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd love to see Michael Matthews get up, obviously, hometown boy. Um, but Sam Bennett's flying as well, so it'll be an interesting race. It could be one of 20 blokes will win it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it's a very it's a very open field. Uh, it's great. What I just noticed, I was, out, I was riding earlier on with a buddy, and he cycles a lot, but he wouldn't follow the World Tour stuff a lot, and he was asking me who the favourites are and it's just struck me how wide the age gaps are between some of them. Like oh, we've everyone from uh, Evan Evan Paul Evan
1: Paul who's 14 and up to Valverde who could go again. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure is is a Pogachar a Pogacar however you pronounce his name like what's he 18, 19 as well.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's the kids coming through are absolutely ridiculous.
0: So it's yeah, it's insane. Uh, but it,
1: yeah, it'll it'll be a super race. Um how the hell they race it I don't know, but um yeah it'd be interesting uh last one and when i i put out into our little private group
0: that we had you coming on and everybody wanted to know about supplements so it's the gray area <laughs> that everybody yeah. i think it's the nature of cycling isn't it that we're all, everyone's looking for that wee little and it's probably why we do have that history of the open culture because it's the people it attracts and we're always trying to get that little bit of an edge and Obviously, yeah, there's, it's, there's a right side of the edge and there's a wrong side of the edge.
1: Yeah, it's, the, it's why you stick carbon fibre on the front of anything and you can charge 100 euros more for it, everyone lines up to buy it because it's magic.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: or your bike weighs three and a half kilos, yet you weigh 19 stone. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it is an enormous industry that is based on some, at times, questionable science. Our guys will. We we don't take. There's no magic. That's I suppose that's the thing is that with supplements, everyone's like, yeah, I want that. You look at I suppose the sky slash Enios mentality, which is marginal gains, which is awesome, and that's the stuff you chase if you've done the work. So the t- taking fish oil or whatever else doesn't replace doing decent training. Yeah, and if you get all that stuff in order first, then you can like. Anything a supplement is an addition to doing everything else right. Doing everything else right first. So eating the right food, getting enough sleep, doing the right training, and then yeah, you know what? If you need that extra half a percent on top, then yeah, take whatever mystical magical stuff. But like our guys don't like anything that our guys will take is all because we're an Australian team. Everything is um, okay by the Australian Institute of Sport. So it's all tested, and it's it's all stuff that has some level of scientific backing. And hence we take relatively boring stuff.
0: So I'm, I'm glad you said that because it's a question I get most often as a cycling coach. You know, what's the magic session? What's the magic supplement? And you're like, there's no secret. Like, it's no. hard, consistent work. Yes. Yeah.
1: The consistency is the key. Like, you'll get people that will go out and... Bury himself and I did 15 hours on the bike yesterday, and you're like, cool. And you can't move for the next four weeks. So, you've it's start easy, build up, and be consistent with it. It's that just, just like you're you're not slamming the nail in one hit, it's you're just tapping away at the thing, and it'll go in, and you won't bend it, and you won't like that's that's the trick. And that's what actually makes you more resilient is that that I suppose accumulated load with recovery put in, and just being smart about it. Um, I suppose one thing I've seen over the years, like I'm in Ireland, what, 15 years now, and you won't get a harder trainer than an Irish athlete. The bit that Irish athletes, and this is, I've worked with boxing, I've worked with swimming, I've worked with rowing, I've worked with cycling, triathlon, which is massive at the moment. You won't get harder trainers, but you will get people that may not, like harder isn't always better. It's you can't go out and ride full biscuit every day. Yeah. there's you've got a like there, there's a in a lot of respects there's a lot of disrespect for recovery and it's important as you like you guys know that yeah Culture.
0: it's i suppose it's the gap you see between really good amateurs and pros is yeah. that recovery piece yeah uh La- very last piece. We had Alan Davis, on uh, a fellow compatriot of yours. Uh, yep, had him on, and Alan gave us a classic story. Like to finish with a good funny story. So Alan said he was in Tour de France and he was bursting for a shit all day. Like, but the race just wouldn't stop. Like it was one of those days. He said, and he's just like, I needed to go. So he went back to the car. He got a cap. Uh, he <laughs> yes. pu- pulled the pulled the scats down. Had a yeah. sh- had a shit. Wiped it off with the cap and he said it was there was still without being too graphic there was quite a bit of shits left in the cap yep and so he said he was looking for a place to toss it so he tossed it and then he looked over his shoulder and he's seeing two kids running to
1: pick the oh, cap off. yeah and that doesn't surprise me so that is, yeah, yeah I believe
0: you, that can you top it you don't need to top it in terms of grotesqueness oh jeez poo stories god almighty it, it doesn't um, have to be a poo story we're not,
1: we're not just a poo story podcast oh uh, let me think what's not going to get me in trouble and not going to get anyone in trouble like i suppose the 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 difference in what i'm doing compared to what the riders are doing is like we you do have a lot of fun and all that sort of stuff obviously it's just like at the end of the day this is my job and it's their job as well but i have to have a professional boundary in what i'm trying to do so i'm just trying to think of something that's not going to get anyone chucked under a bus anyway <laughs> it's gonna be awkward um uh, like ever like yeah, i suppose if anyone who's seen the the backstage pass with our former director neil stevens and his interactions with frumi um who he dropped one of the greatest clangers of all time he was apparently telling a story in the the car about Froumi and this and that and the other and big laugh within the car and then uh the next thing, Froomey rides past and Steve-O tells him the same story and Froomey's like, yeah, good one, and just peddled on and ignored <laughs> him completely, which Chris, like, Chris would be perceived as a very, very straight guy, and I think he is publicly, but I think privately he is, from what I'm told, is sort of a bit of a joker and a and uh, a bit of a life of the party, which is very, very interesting considering the way he's perceived publicly yeah but yeah he completely flicked steveo that day
0: <laughs> yeah i've heard uh, chris is very well liked within the team uh but uh okay sure we'll wrap it up there and so you can check out scott what was your website again for people to check you out
1: on in
0: sweet so do check him out there if you're in the limerick area or anywhere in ireland where to drive it's worth a joy it's not limerick a big place
1: no it's not Limerick's a big place. wonderful limerick's a great town bring the stab vest. Ah, come on now. We had guards (laughs) shooting themselves the other day.
0: Scott, you're a legend. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks for your time.